What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. It's Third and Central Podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Podcast Network, live from the burn. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Third and Central Podcast, the only podcast dedicated solely to the University of Louisville baseball program. This is your host, Matt Sefkovic, joined by our trusty co-host, Aaron Turner. Aaron, we've got a lot to touch on tonight. Louisville 7-1, and one, just come off a fresh butt whooping of EKU. Before we jump into all that stuff, how is everything going your way? I'm doing great. Weather's getting warmer. Baseball's in full swing. I love it. How are you doing? I mean, I'm doing well. I can't complain. I've got a glass of Eagle Rare in my hand. Louisville seven and one. We're heading down to Houston this weekend to play in the Shriners Children's College Classic. Say that three times real fast. That's a lot, a lot of good games coming up on the schedule, but a lot to catch up on in the past couple of weeks. But since we've gotten together, you know, biggest thing, this biggest storyline is Louisville seven and one. I know a couple weeks ago when we met in our preseason show, you guaranteed that we would be eight and zero at this point in the season. So um, I'm not not gonna not gonna blame that on you. We'll, we'll take seven <laughs> and one for sure. Um, heading into Houston and where we are in the rankings right now, Baseball America and Collegiate Baseball Newspaper have Louisville all the way up to number four, which is their highest ranking. Perfect Game has them at eight. The NCBWA is the National College Baseball Writers Association and the coaches poll are at 10 and D1 Baseball has Louisville down at 14. RPI after the EKU game, they're sitting at 93. That's going to change a ton before the next couple of games are played because there's going to be other games that are going on too. So somewhere in the mid 90s to low hundreds, probably by the time they get down to Houston this weekend. Aaron, what do you think about where the team is ranked? I mean, there's obviously, you know, from four to 14, there's a big difference there. What what do you make of that? You know, I wish that we had just one or two polls because keeping up with the six that we have is absolutely ridiculous in my opinion. Uh, I think that, you know, there's so many things going on around the country right now. And a lot of teams, we don't really know what they have yet, including Louisville. And so that's why there's such a big range there, in my opinion. And I'd also like to say, don't I don't think that uh, looking at RPI right now is even worth considering because once we get through conference play, it's not not going to be anything close to what it is now. So if you're looking at RPI, don't worry too much about that. Just just focus on, on the rankings, and we'll keep doing our thing, and that RPI will show up once we get to conference play. Yeah, if y'all been listening in or following along on Twitter long enough, you know that I'm a big RPI guy. But like Aaron said, that that number just kind of throw it out the window right now. One thing that's been exciting to me this year about college baseball is just the parity across the board. You know, we've seen a lot of upsets. You know, Louisville got beat over the weekend by Bowling Green and people got up in arms about it. But there's been some pretty bad upsets in the first couple of weeks of college baseball. You know, Portland. I think took the series from Texas A&M. They also lost a game to Lamar. Central Arkansas beat Vandy in a midweek, I think, last week. Campbell beat ECU. And I know I'm just spitballing, throwing some out there. Loyola Marymount beat Oklahoma State. So, you know, in Louisville, if they they get tripped up on a game like that, it's not a big deal. It's happening all around college baseball this year. And Sean Moth was talking the other day about it and brought up a really good point that I had never really considered – a lot of these COVID seniors, you know, fifth-year seniors that got an extra year of eligibility due to COVID, they're hanging around a lot of these smaller programs. But when you look at a lot of the larger programs, you know, the ACC, the SEC, the Power Five schools, they don't have fifth-year seniors hanging around very often. You know, if they've if they've got older guys, they've been drafted and they're gone. So they these the Louisvilles and the LSU's and the you know, the Vandys and the Texas A&Ms, they just don't have the experience. They've got a boatload of talent. Don't get me wrong there. You know, they're bringing in some of the best recruiting classes in the country. But but the experience early in the season, it's really, really important. So I think that's why we're seeing some of these upsets early on. 
Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I'm glad you hit on the AM series with Portland and that loss to Lamar because, you know, that's an opponent that we have coming up this weekend. And if you didn't touch on it, I was about to. And also, you know, I don't think that there is a team right now in college baseball that looks like they're unbeatable. You know, we just saw LSU lose to Iowa. Um, and then we also, you know, Tennessee has had their fair share of struggles early in the season too. And there's a lot of other factors that go into what Tennessee has going on right now, but it, it just goes to show that I think this is why college baseball is the best because there's never a clear cut winner. Everybody had LSU coming into this season as, as the team to beat. And well, we just saw them get beat. So uh, I think we're shaping up for a fun season across the country. You know, like last season going into the tournament, everybody was saying, you know, do you take Tennessee or the field? And everybody was, you know, a lot of people were like, take Tennessee. And then you saw what happened. Notre Dame went down there and beat them in the super regional and to advance to the college world series. So there's not a clear cut team. I think this year, like you said, that is the favorite that is unbeatable. And, you know, just, you know, a couple of weeks into college baseball season, it doesn't get any better than this. So I'm really looking forward to the next couple of months here at third and central before we dive any further into the team this year, we've got some one really big, exciting announcement to make. And in the couple of years that I've followed, and cover Louisville baseball starting at Rivals and Card Chronicle and now with State of Louisville on our podcast here. I think this is probably one of the most exciting things that I've done. And it's not just me, so I don't want to say I've done it. Aaron's been a big part of it. Um, Jacob at State of Louisville has been a big part of it. T-shirt Hooligan's been a big part of it. But we are actually going to join up with Greg Ferrone, and we are starting a merchandise deal with him. So more details to come on that soon. We're working on some of the concepts right now. They are awesome. I promise you will want to get your hands on one when they come out. I've seen a couple sneak peeks of them. So just get ready. <clears throat> For those of you that aren't familiar with Farone, he's the JUCO transfer from New York that has just been on a strikeout tear this year. He's um, made three appearances, thrown five and a third innings. He struck out 12 batters out of the 16 possible out so far with a 1.69 ERA. So Aaron, what do you, what do you make of that? I know it's exciting. We've kind of been building this up for a while and it's been in the talks for a long time. What, what do you make of this? And um, you just, I, I'm just so excited for Greg and the, the opportunity that we have been able to provide for him. Man, I am super excited. I, I think it's awesome that we can provide an NIL opportunity to, a Louisville baseball player. And I think Greg is the perfect guy. I love the personality, love the play on the field. And I think that he's a perfect fit here. Yeah. I'm really excited. You know, just the conversations we've been able to have with Greg and get to know him over the past couple of weeks. Um, he's a, he's a super, super guy. And I think you all will um, get to know him a little bit more in a podcast in the future. So enough about talking about Greg, you'll hear from him in the upcoming episodes. We have a lot to catch up on. And Aaron, I'm going to let you go ahead and start with the opening weekend against Bucknell, which was a really fun weekend. So just kind of walk us through how that uh, first series of the year went. You were exactly right with a really fun weekend of baseball. Definitely cold, though. We did have uh, some snow on Friday, but Thank, thankfully for uh, for us, Ryan Hawks made it quick for uh, for us on, on that Friday. Uh, so Louisville started the season with a sweep over Bucknell. Friday's win was seven to one. Saturday eleven to two, and Sunday five to three wins. Uh, I I think that there were a lot of questions about this team heading into the season, and I think we had a lot of answers uh, opening weekend. You know who would be that Friday night guy. Well, Ryan Hawks came out on Friday night and, like I said, made quick work of the Bison. He ended up getting the win and going six in the third innings, giving up just three hits, one walk, one run, and nine strikeouts. And then, you know, there were position battles, too. You know, who was who was going to step up in the outfield? Who was going to step up at first base? And as the season drew closer, it was pretty clear that Ryan McCoy was going to be that guy. And he showed up in a big way in his Louisville debut that weekend. He went five for 12 on the weekend, had a home run and five RBIs. And then in the outfield, we also saw the emergence of Eddie King, who, as everybody knows, I've been very high on. Uh, he went four for seven with a double, a triple, three RBIs and three walks in the end opening weekend as well. And then, like you said about Greg Ferrone, just a strikeout machine, three innings pitched, three hits, one run, one walk and eight strikeouts. Uh, out, of, out of the bullpen that weekend. So that was, it was very exciting. A good weekend of baseball. 
And I think that there are some guys who are starting to get some defined roles. I think there's still a few question marks, but it's good to see guys step up and, and, and take a hold of some of those roles. Yeah, like you said, there were some question marks going into the season, and not that the talent wasn't there. It was just who's the guy going to be? You know, the old expression, I guess, who's on first? You know, we didn't know who the starting rotation was going to be. We didn't know who was going to play first place. What were we going to do with the middle infield? What about the outfield? A lot of questions. And I think a lot of the questions were answered the first weekend and have continued to become, you know, more concrete since the first weekend against Bucknell. After that, we hosted Xavier for a midweek tilt, and it didn't get off to the best start against Xavier, but in the end, Louisville prevailed. And I think the worst thing that happened that night was the injury to Justin West and his first career start for Louisville after recovering from Tommy John surgery. The West pitched a good first inning, came out in the second inning. I think he just threw a, a pitch or two and had some soreness in his arm, and they took him out of the game pretty quick. After that, they went to Grundy. Kate Grundy, he uh, threw two innings, gave up three runs. Will Coger threw uh, 2.1 innings, gave up three runs. Evan Webster came in, threw an inning, gave up two runs. So the bullpen after that struggled a little bit. Louisville got down 6-2, to two, and after that they rallied and won 12 to eight. Ryan McCoy, Eddie King Jr., and Logan Beard each homered in that game. I feel like that's all Ryan McCoy has done this season is, is hit home runs. Um, Jack Payton, McCoy, and King, they each had three hits apiece in the game on their way to uh, a team total of 17 hits. So big time comeback for Louisville against Xavier. I know we, we always play them really good midweek games. You know, we play them every year, them in Cincinnati in a midweek, and it just seems like the matchup between Louisville and Xavier is, is always just a really good game. It was this year. Pitching struggled in, in the middle innings. You know, those a lot of those guys have been back out on the mound. We'll talk about them in the upcoming games, and they've, they've seemed to figure things out, which is good. Ben Wigman, he threw the final two innings, gave up two hits, uh, no runs, and picked up the win for Louisville on their way to a 12-8 victory. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, for those pitchers, uh, the wind was of no help to them. That I never – well, I wouldn't say never, but very rarely you see wind like that affecting baseball games. You know, A lot of times on, on those home runs, I thought it, it was just a nice little pop-up to, to left field or center field. And, you know, it's 20 or 30 feet past the fence. Like, wow, I didn't think it would have that kind of carry. So that was of no help for the pitchers, and I think that was a big reason that we saw the slugfest that we did see. And then also, you know, kudos to Cade Grundy he came out and he did struggle a little bit, but he also he was thrown right into the fire, wasn't supposed to be out there that early. And uh, he ate innings when we needed. So, you know, good, good for the bullpen guys for stepping up. And, you know, we got the win and they, they did what they were supposed to do on a, in a tough situation. Yeah, and we've seen some crazy weather so far this year. You know, had snowflakes on there, a couple of flurries on the first game. But the win that we've seen so far this year, in the first couple of weeks has been pretty crazy. So hope that dies down, I guess, when we're, when we're pitching, it's okay when we're, when we're batting, but <laughs> we got our guys on the mound. I'd, I'd rather uh, turn that wind down a little bit if we could. <laughs> but after, after Xavier, we hosted Bowling Green for a three game series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and man, that Friday night game against Bowling Green, Ryan Hawks picked up a second win of the season. He threw six innings, gave up two hits, um, but picked up the win that night in a one hour and 46 minute non-inning college baseball game. I've never seen anything like that in my life. I mean, the guy got on the mound and just pounded the strike zone, just inning after inning. He just threw strikes. Uh, Ferone came in and threw the final 2.1 innings, picked up the save, um, didn't give up a hit and struck out three batters. Uh, Jack Payton hit a home run in the game and Eddie King Jr. drove in a RBI that was the only other run in the two to one victory. So big win for Louisville and in a quick fashion too. So I know the policemen that are out there trying to speed up the college baseball game, they can, uh, they can look that one and, and be happy and smile all the way around because hour and 46 minutes and not any college baseball game. You're not, you're not going to find that anywhere else. I can promise you that. Rob Manfred was beaming with pride on Friday night as he watched that game. <laughs> and then the, on Saturday, Louisville lost their first game of the season. Falcons came out and just, just kind of hit the ball around. Louisville 
walked quite a few batters in that game. Uh, got beat nine to six. I think we actually walked eight batters and hit a couple more. One of the runs came on a HBP with the bases loaded. They executed a double steal at one point in time. They stole home at one point in time. They just, you know, just found a way to win the baseball game. They've got older guys. I think they start like nine seniors in their lineup or something crazy like that, or fifth-year guys. So, you know, they're just experienced. They've they've been doing this for a long time. Not near as talented as Louisville, but they've, they've just been playing college baseball together for a handful of years. And, you know, Squirrel's going to find a nut every now and then. So tip your hat and go on to Sunday. And then Sunday rolls around, and it was just a typical – Dan McDonald Sunday getaway old fashioned ass open. That's what Dan McDonald does on Sunday afternoons. We uh, beat the Falcons 14 to one, pounded out 15 hits. Patrick Forbes, freshman from Bowling Green, had three of them, scored two runs, two RBIs. Uh, Ryan McCoy hit another home run in the first inning. I think that's all he does is just hit home runs in the first inning. It seems like every time that guy steps up, that, that he's going to hit a ball out of the park. I think the most encouraging thing to me, and Aaron and I have talked about this, we hit seven balls on Sunday that were over 100 miles an hour off the bat. And MLB defines a hard-hit ball as anything over 95. And the fact that we hit seven balls 100-plus off the bat is insane to me. And none of those were home runs. So they were, you know, base hits, you know, doubles. It's just, you know, guys hitting the ball hard. Um McCarson Liggett, he picked up his second win of the season. Seems like he's settling in really nice in the Sunday rotation spot. I think that's a really good fit for him. A um, couple first that game. Um, Tucker Biven got his first at-bat and first career hit. And Wyatt, I'm going to hope I say this right, Daniel Levich, um, he's a freshman, uh, got his first career appearance and strikeout. So, um, you know, a couple first. I um, always like seeing the young guys get out there early in the season. And it was also good to see Will Coger bounce back and throw an inning and a third, pick up a strikeout, and, um, you know, really just calm the Falcons down. I think, uh, I think something I kind of want to touch on too is you mentioned the first. I think the story from the first couple weeks of the season is, you know, we've really been hyping up this freshman class and, Watching all the freshmen perform that the way they the way that they have these first couple weeks is really encouraging. You know, Patrick Forbes, Tucker Biven, Caden Campbell, Wyatt Daniel Levich. I'm sure I'm missing a couple uh, of uh, other freshmen. Well, Matt Klein and Will Veerling too have also gotten some time, and it's really encouraging to see these young guys step up and perform right away. I've been really impressed with all of them, and I'm really excited to see how their careers unfold. Well, and I think the most exciting thing to me about it is you hit the nail on the head, but they don't look like freshmen out there. You know, they've just been thrown into the fire. You know, a lot of freshmen, when you come to Louisville, the coaching staff here, they try to ease them into it instead of just throwing you right out there, right? But a lot of these guys haven't had that opportunity to, you know, kind of sit back and watch and reflect and, you know, watch what the older guys are doing. They've just – their number's just been called early on, and they've been asked to go out and throw, the, you know, throw some innings, pick up some outs. They've been asked to go out there and – you know, pinch hit situations and and start at second base and start behind the plate because we've had, you know, guys transfer out and whatnot. So I think seeing them step in this early in the season and still be seven and one with the amount of freshmen that are on the field right now, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's it's definitely exciting to watch. And I'm very excited to see what we do this weekend with, you know, in terms of the freshmen, but we can get that, get to that a little bit later here. Want to talk about today's game, the uh, Eastern Kentucky game, and this was, like you said, just another ass whooping. Uh, Eleven to nothing W over Eastern Kentucky. Uh, Cade Grundy got the start on the mound in place of injured Justin West. He went a perfect three innings. Uh, got picked up the win. He's now one and zero on the year. Uh, Cade Grundy, Evan Webster, Alex Galvan, Caleb Corbett. Caden Campbell and Tate Keener. Tate Keener is back. All combined for the shutout. Uh, going back to the freshman here, Patrick Forbes picked up his first two career home runs. And that second one, I believe, got out of the ballpark. If you were uh, parked in that gravel lot, I hope your car's okay. And uh, Jack Payton also picked up his third home run of the season. He's going to make me look like a genius from that uh, episode we did a couple weeks ago. I said that power would be there. He's already up to three. So thank you, Jack. Uh, all in all, just a, a great performance. It's, it's exactly what you wanted to see. Heading into this weekend in Houston, I think 
that you know some of the mistakes that we had seen the first couple weekends weren't present today. We saw good base running, which hasn't always been the case uh, the first couple weeks. And I think I think that's kind of something that we'll see year in and year out those first couple weeks with how aggressive this team is. I think some of the younger guys just might be a little too eager to to make something happen on the base paths. And by week three or four, you're going to see those mistakes settle down and, and, you know, we'll get back to the typical Louisville base running that we're all used to. Uh, So that was really encouraging to see. And I'm excited to build off this performance and head into Houston on a very high note. Yeah. And that's a big thing. You know, we talked about it a little bit earlier is the upsets that we've seen. A lot of upsets have been midweek upsets. So it's, you know, it's not your weekend guys that are getting beat off the mound or anything like that for a Vandy or for a, Mississippi State. It, it's been on a. It's been a midweek guy. So to see our pitchers go out there, know it's a bullpen day. Know they're going to throw one, two, three innings, depending on the situation, and still go out there and take care of business, even against a team like EKU, is very encouraging. You know, to win the game the way they did. You know, they put the ball in play. Like you said, they ran the bases well, which is something that Dave McDonald takes a lot of pride in. He talks about that a lot because he he coaches base running. So if they're if they're ma- making base running errors, that that's a reflection of him. So just to to see them kind of kind of put a bow on the first eight weeks before they head down to this uh, tournament in Houston, I think is is a really really good sign, especially as young as we are. No, for sure. I'm I'm definitely very excited with how these eight games played out. You know, college baseball is, you know, it's going to happen without one loss. That's okay. I know we said, I know I said eight, no, but it's all good because I think, uh, I think Dan said this too, you know, they just flat out beat us. They, they played a very good game on, on Saturday and there's, there's not much you can do about that. Just pick yourself up and move on. And we responded in a big way on Sunday and then today against EKU. Yeah. And I think that's a sign of a good team is, you know, being able to rebound from a, a game like that where you don't, you know, you maybe don't play your best, you know, to, to bounce back two consecutive days shows that this is, you know, a mature team. Yeah, I also want to touch on the fact that this team has impressed me in ways that, you know, we have won in a lot of different ways this year. We've we've hit the long ball. We've won slugfests. And we've also won the pitchers duels two one games, which – Last year, I don't know if we would have won those those close pitchers duel games. And, you know, it's still early in the season. We'll see what happens when we get to conference play. But so far, it's a very encouraging sign that this team is built in a way that is all around really good. There's a lot of really dynamic players on the field. And we're going to beat you, and we're going to beat you in many different ways. I'm glad you bring that up. That's something that Aaron and I have talked about over the first couple of weeks of the season quite a bit is – and he, he touched on it, you know, this team last year, I don't know if they would have won some of those games, but this year they, they have, you know, Ryan Hawks went in a, a two, one game on a Friday night. I don't know if we would have won that game last year. And, you know, but, and then we want to uh, come behind, come from behind 12, eight game against Xavier where we were down six to two, you know, they didn't just roll over when they were down big. So I think showing that they can win in a multitude of ways is big. Um, I think it shows that just because we're we're young and may be inexperienced at some positions doesn't mean that we don't have the talent and they don't have the fight in them, which is really, really encouraging to see in just eight games. Yeah. You know, we talked about it a lot during the offseason. How are these mostly what we mostly touched on the pitchers in the offseason out of the bullpen? How are they going to step up heading into 2023? And it, I've been really encouraged by you know, guys like Will Coger, Carson Liggett, Ben Wigman, how they have stepped up in big ways. You know, Coger uh, and, and Wigman have seen really important innings late in games, and Carson Liggett is holding down the Sunday spot. He looks really good right now, too. So it's great to see those those younger guys step up and, and take hold of, of roles that were vacant because of draft picks or transfers or whatever else. So we're eight games in. We're seven and one. We know all that now. Who, who are you most excited about? If I had to say, you know, there's one player that you didn't think you would see this from or you didn't think they would be able to do this maybe this early. Who Who's that for you? Uh, give me Tucker Biven. 
I've been very, very encouraged by Tucker Biv, and I wasn't entirely sure what his his workload would be this year. Tucker, a two way guy out of New Albany, uh, and you know his his performance out of the bullpen has been really encouraging. Had four shutout innings over Bowling Green and, and that loss on Saturday, but you know that was that was not on him. And I've just I've been really encouraged by what he's shown. He also picked up his first hit at a pinch hit spot against Bowling Green as well. I think that Tucker is a guy that sticks in the two-way spot through college. I, I do think that he has the potential to both hit and pitch at a high level, and I'm very excited to see how his career unfolds. Did I hear you just say that he's going to be the next um, Brennan McKay? Is that what you said? You know what? Why not? Why not? <laughs> Tucker Biven is the next Brendan McKay. I know. I, I'm super excited what I've seen out of him. And, you know, we've talked about Tucker quite a bit extensively because, you know, he's a highly recru- recruited player out of high school. I think he brings a lot to the table. But we didn't know really where he was going to fit into this bullpen this year or where he was going to fit into the lineup. Just so to see that the opportunities that he's been given, he's taken advantage of them and he's proven that, as a freshman, he can step right in is really exciting and really encouraging. And I'm sure the coaching staff feels the same way. So uh, one more point on Tucker here, you know, I saw him hit in the fall and he's got some easy power. Uh, I saw him hit a couple out in the fall and I'm, I'm just really excited to see how that bat develops. I think there's going to be some guys departing this year and the draft or, or graduating that Tucker might step in and you might see his name in the lineup every day next year. I think you're probably right. And I'm going to flip that question around to myself as well, since I put you on the spot and I'm going to go with another freshman. I'm going to go with Patrick Forbes just over what he's done the past couple games on Sunday. And then today against EKU, and we touched on it a little bit, but he's batting currently 545. He's got two home runs. Both of them came against EKU. He's got a double six RBIs. And all of that is within 11 at-bats. He's played in five games of the eight so far this year, started three of them. And I really think he's making it challenging for the coaching staff to take him out of the lineup at this point going forward. You know, you 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 have to find a place for Patrick Forbes in the lineup. I don't know where if it's a DH, if you, you know, put him in the field somewhere at third, if you stick him in the outfield. I don't know where that's going to be every game at this point this season. But I think he's really making it impossible for Coach McDonald to find a, you know, to take him out of the lineup. Yeah, I I think that you're spot on right there. Going back to kind of what we touched on earlier, I'd be very curious to see how Forbes and Biven in particular, but just the freshmen as a whole, how how they handle this weekend. This is a massive weekend. Um, you know, I'm very curious to see how the coaching staff handles putting them out there. Uh, you know, we have depth in the bullpen but i think at some point you're going to need to see freshmen on the mound um you know how how are those guys going to step up and respond and i i do think that from what we've seen so far guys like biven and forbes and, and gavin keelan and matt klein and you know all the other freshmen so far just they have i think i do believe that they have that maturity but we'll we'll see what happens this weekend against three tough opponents that's a good segue in our next topic talking about the Shriners Children's College Classic down in Houston this weekend and the for those that aren't familiar with the event it's one of the premier preseason tournaments in all of college baseball and has been for the past couple season it's played at Minute Maid Park where the Houston Astros play so very 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 short porch to left field so anybody that wants to like Patrick Forbes that wants to send a couple balls up there that would be perfectly fine Um, but the event this year the teams that are playing are Louisville, Michigan, Rice, Texas A&M, TCU, and Texas Tech. On the schedule, Louisville plays Texas A&M Friday night at 8 o'clock. Saturday at 4, they're going to play TCU. And then Sunday at 5, they are going to play Michigan. A lot of familiar names there that we've you know seen over the past couple of years. Um, Texas A&M right now. Since we have six rankings, I'm just going to stick with D1 baseball because that's the one that I typically look at. D1 has Texas A&M ranked 15th and TCU ranked 10th. We're going to dive into all three of those teams here in just a few minutes. But 
that I've had a lot of questions about this and the games are going to be on MLB network. If you have YouTube TV, like I do, the MLB network and YouTube TV are currently in a contract dispute and it's not carried. So if you are going to be watching or planning to be watching and you're a YouTube TV subscriber, you will not get the games this weekend. So they're going to be carried on Astros.com and apparently the Houston Astros Twitter and Facebook pages will be carrying them as well. So that may be your best bet, just logging onto Facebook and, you know, checking it out to see if that's where they're going to be. I know we, I watched a game on YouTube a couple, maybe last year when Louisville went down to Bowling Green and played Western. And it was the one, one of the worst experiences of my life watching a baseball game. <laughs> I can't imagine it's going to be the same down at a Houston Astro stadium. Hopefully it's better quality than that, but just checking out the Astros Twitter and Facebook, that may be our best bet if you don't have access to MLB Network this weekend. Uh, just to add on to that, I'm not 100% sure, but on previous tournaments that have been hosted on MLB Network, uh, they have put them up on MLB.com free to watch there too. Uh, so I'm not 100% sure that it's the case for this weekend, but it's at least worth checking out if, if you need a place to watch. Okay, that's good to know too. I'm, uh, I'm going to – kind of log in during the day of the games that are before us and see what I can what I can find and where I can track them down. That way when our game gets here at eight that night, I am ready to go. So like I said, we got Texas AM first on Friday. A lot of bad blood with them. Aaron, what I think we remember that vividly what happened to end the season last year. Yes. I think uh, I think a lot of these guys have a bad taste in their mouth. We went down Went down to AM last year for the super regionals. Uh, got swept out of out of the postseason and AM moved on to the College World Series. Uh AM is coming off dropping two to three two of three to Portland, like we mentioned earlier. Also have that one midweek loss to Lamar. So they are four and three right now. Uh I think that they're a very dangerous team. I don't think that there's ever a Jim Jim Schlossnagel team that is not a dangerous team. Uh, but they're looking for their identity right now, and I think that they'll be they'll come out uh, guns blazing this weekend, looking for any sort of identity. There's a lot of uh, bad taste in their mouth too from early start this season. Uh, they had a lot of guys from last year, key contributors that moved on, draft, graduate, transfer. Uh, you know, I honestly I'm not really sure what A and M we're getting right now. They're ranked 15th, but they've got three you know, quite frankly, three really bad losses to start the season. So I am very curious to see how, how they match up with us. Cause you know, we are, we're Louisville baseball and, you know, we'll, we'll see if they can compete because I, I do think that we have the upper hand in this game. I think you're spot on with that. you know, you're not going to find a Jim Schlossnagel coach team that isn't tough and they're, they're not gritty. That's just his style. That's what he does. There's actually a video of him circulating around Twitter I saw today of him getting after his fans for hollering at the players. So if uh, you want some entertainment, go check that out. It was from this past weekend. But I think the fact that they're still ranked is surprising to me, and I think a lot of that is because of their name and who they are and what the expectations are still high for the Aggies. I mean, just, just because they're four and three doesn't mean that. I believe they're four and three, whatever the record is, just because they're, you know, they they've dropped a couple games early on doesn't mean that the expectations still aren't high and that they don't have a ton of talent on that team. They're going to win a lot of baseball games this year. So I I don't know who we're going to see Friday night. There's no, I have no idea which Texas A&M team we're going to see. They've showed multiple different rosters. They've showed, you know, they can win big games. They showed they can lose some terrible games. So it, it's going to be um, curious to see which Louisville team shows up and which Texas A&M team shows up on Friday. And then on Saturday, we've got TCU. Like I said, they are ranked 10th. They're four and three. They played in one of the college baseball showdowns, the Higginbotham, um, to begin the season. Looked really, really good. They beat Vandy 11 to four. They beat Arkansas 18 to six. And everybody's like, hold up. Uh, we need to get TCU to the top of the rankings. <clears throat> they lost to Missouri 8-9 to in 10 innings to finish off that weekend. And then TCU turned around and looked terrible against Florida State this past weekend. They got beat 10-1, to 10-8, to and then they won the final game on Sunday to kind of salvage the series. They won 3-2. to two. Got a very similar 
makeup, I think, to the roster as Louisville does. They've got four guys over 300. They've got six everyday starters. The other three kind of alternate here and there. That's the lineup they've gone with to begin the season so far. They're not going to beat you with the long ball. Um, they only hit four home runs so far. So that's, that's not a strength of theirs. Uh, they've got a five and a half ERA. So they, they can make, they're going to make mistakes. We just have to, you know, be patient and make them pay. So um, don't know who they're going to start on Saturday. They've had a couple different rotations in the two weekends already. So they're, you know, their weekend rotations up in the air. So I don't even want to try to predict who they're going to start, but very winnable game. And it's a game early in the season that can really be, like we talked about, RPI's way elevated. It's a game that can really play dividends at the end of the season come tournament time if we win this to help boost our RPI. Yeah, I think um, if I had to pick a game this weekend that really kind of worried me a little bit, I think it's the TCU game. That lineup – that lineup is very dangerous. They have a, like you said, a solid six guys that can beat you and will will run it down your throat at the plate. You know, we saw what they did to to some really top teams, especially that Arkansas game. Putting up eighteen on them was really eye opening. So that that lineup is a gauntlet to run through, and I I think we might be looking at a slugfest on Saturday. Yeah, I think that game has the potential to. I don't want to say get out of hand, but I think I think we have the potential to see a lot of runs scored. You've got two big time offenses with, you know, I think our pitching staff is probably more fine tuned than theirs is at this point in time. That's not to say they don't have the arms. Let's just say at this point in time, I think Roger Williams has his stuff figured out a little bit more than TCU does. So I, I think we have a big opportunity to pick up a big time win, and I also think we're going to have a pitching change probably on our side at some point this weekend. Uh, Coach McDonald alluded to it a little bit on his coaches show the other night and said that, you know, Greg Ferrone, who we've talked about quite a bit in the show, is the can- one of the top candidates to replace somebody in the weekend rotation. I, we don't know anything other than that at this point in time, but it seems to me like Ron Hawks is going to be your Friday guy. I don't know if Ferrone will move to Saturday or if he'll bump Carson Liggett from Sunday to Saturday, but I think Ferrone and Liggett will probably be your two back end weekend guys. I just don't know which date and which team they'll face. Yeah, I think this is something that we talked about often before the season started. We knew that this was going to happen eventually. The the lineup that you saw on day one and the rotation that you saw on day one was not going to be the same, you know, even to what it is now. And there's going to be constant changes. Um, so I wouldn't say I'm I'm surprised at all that Ferrone is getting that bump to the rotation if, in fact, that does happen this weekend. Um, you know, he threw 75, 80 pitches that first that first outing against Bucknell, so we definitely know that he has the length to be a starter. Uh, like you said, I just don't know what day yet. Yeah, and then I think one of the most exciting games – I mean, I, obviously I'm excited about TCU and Texas A&M, but I love beating Michigan at anything. I don't, I don't know why, but I don't care what it is. You know, I don't care if it's underwater basket weaving, baseball, basketball. I just love beating Michigan, and we get the opportunity to do just that on Sunday. Yeah, I tell you what, I was very excited when I saw that Michigan got the uh, got added to our schedule because we were originally slated to play Rice on Sunday. Don't know why that that didn't work out, but I was very happy that I saw Michigan get added to the schedule. Uh, that's another rematch. It's the rematch from the regional championship last year. There was. A lot of drama and, you know, fans of Michigan might say controversy, but I digress. Um, So like A&M, Michigan's kind of just looking for an identity right now. They lost a lot of of key players from last year. They also lost their coach. Uh, Eric Backich is now in conference in Clemson. Uh, So they're four to two to start the season under new head coach Tracy Smith. Uh, kind of like AM and TCU, we don't really know what we're getting from them quite yet. They haven't really played any tough competition. They've run a lot of different lineups out there, run different pitchers out there. Uh, so it'll be a surprise to us, too, what, what Michigan goes with on Sunday. I think that those guys at, at Michigan, the, the ones that were there last year, when they came down to Louisville for that regional uh, matchup, I think that there is a lot of bad taste in their mouth, and, and they want to come out and, and shove it down our throats. And so – I think that that's going to be a good early test for us too, seeing how we respond to that type of energy from the other team. 
And you know, I'm I'm just I'm super pumped for this weekend. I think that we've been waiting for a tournament like this for a while. And so to finally finally have that opportunity on a national stage, it, I'm super excited to see what we can do. Yeah, I think it's something as fans have talked about for a long time is wanting to see Louisville get involved in one of these preseason tournaments. And I remember when it was announced how excited I was for this day to, you know, this weekend to get here and it's finally here. And, you know, getting to watch all these big time college baseball games, you know, TCU playing Vandy and Arkansas already in that pre in that tournament a couple weeks ago. It just, you know, as a college baseball fan, not even a fan of one of those two teams, it's just good to watch high-quality games early on in the season. And it's a good test to see where your team is. And not necessarily to say where the team is going to be, but where we are early in the season. So I think playing teams like TCU and Texas A&M and Michigan this early in the season will really show what this team's all about and how much grit they have with the younger with the younger class that we've got. And one thing I want to touch on that you mentioned, talking about Eric Backage, the coach from Michigan who's down at – Clemson now, I'm really excited to play him three games every year now too because he's just a big crybaby. I was watching a video over the weekend. They just got swept by Central Florida at Clemson. And Central Florida celebrated by going to the baseball stadium. I don't know if you saw this, Aaron. And they ran down the hill and touched the rock like Dabo does when the, mm-hmm. the football team runs on the football stadium. And um, Backhitch didn't take too kindly to that. Um, and I just, he was complaining in his press conference this week, but I just thought it was hilarious um, because I'm not the biggest Eric Backage fan. And I, now that we get to play him three times every year, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. We, uh, we got a heavy dose of that last year in the regional. So I'm excited that we get it even more now because I, I, I love to beat him too. I'm not, I'm not a backage guy like, like you. And so I, I am excited to see what he can do for Clemson because I do think that he is a good, a good coach, but I'm just, I'm not a big fan. Yeah, I think he's a good coach. He wins a lot of games. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that Michigan actually hired Tracy Smith, who was a really successful coach from Arizona State in Indiana. I guess most of his success came in Indiana. He went, took them to the College World Series, I believe, when they had the Schwarber team. If I'm not mistaken, Louisville was there at the same time because Kyle Schwarber hit a home run that I don't think has landed yet in the College World Series that season back in 2013. You know, Tracy Smith's a heck of a coach, too. So just uh, just excited about the the challenge that we have this weekend, excited about the opportunity, and to see how the guys are going to respond. I think that's the biggest thing to me. Yeah, for sure. I'm 100% with you. I'm ready to get rolling. Let's do it. I think that's all we've got for tonight as far as the first couple weeks of the season and then previewing the Shriners Children's College Classic down in Houston this weekend. But before we go, we've got to turn it over to our man, Aaron, who is going to talk about the pro ball update. And this is Aaron's favorite part of the podcast. He loves this. He keeps up with this stuff like it's his life. So I'm going to turn things over to Aaron and just listen to all of his wisdom. Yeah, you are exactly right. Definitely my favorite part of the podcast. And I could sit here and talk for an hour on all these guys if I could. But I'll just hit on a few key points right now. Uh, so spring training has begun. Games have already started. Uh, this year, there's a there are a number of guys that are injured uh, and out for the year. Brendan McKay recovering from Tommy John. Chad Green is also in recovery from Tommy John. There's a few other guys, too, who are still on injury recovery. So there's not as many guys in spring training as there have been in previous years. Uh, but the, something that is exciting for me is there's a number of non-roster invitees uh, and many organizations I think do have a chance to break camp with their big league team. I think Bobby Miller is probably the biggest one that everybody's waiting on top 30 prospect in baseball. And I, it's, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, and I think that you'll see Bobby up with the Dodgers within the first couple months of the season, if he doesn't break camp with the team, uh, other guys to watch for, you might see Devin Mann break camp with the Dodgers. Kay McClure, recently acquired by the Giants, you might see him break camp with them too. And I think uh, I think 2023 is going to be a big year for for guys making their debuts, and so I'm very excited to, to track that. Um, now, spring training does look a little bit different for one former card. Uh, Corey Ray has officially retired from Major League Baseball. 
Uh, he is now the bench coach and for the single A affiliate of the Chicago Cubs. He was hired by them over the off season. Uh, so Corey, as we all know, top draft pick went five overall in 2016. Uh, did make his major league debut in 2021 in his home city of Chicago. And I'm super, I'm super excited for Corey. You know, I think, I think the expectations for his career were very lofty and, you know, a lot of people when I tweeted out, you know, showed disappointment, but I'm super, super happy for him because he's a young coach. And I think that he has, has the wisdom and knowledge to make that jump to the big leagues quickly. And so, you know, one door closes, but another door opens for him. So I'm excited to see where his coaching career takes him. Yeah. I hate to see that for Corey, you know, that his career, in playing career ended, but the fact that he's still going to, you know, kind of pick it up and get in the, the coaching side of things, it's really, really exciting. And I'm, I'm glad that he has chosen to take that route. He always seemed like he was a super, super kid when he was around campus. The fans always loved him. If he ever wanted to come back to Louisville, I think the fans would welcome him with open arms too. Yeah, I, th- I think that he has a chance to definitely be a big league manager if that's really what he wanted to do. I think when you see organizations hire guys that are so young, you know, it really says a lot about about their knowledge of the game and, and what they can bring to an organization. And so the fact that Corey Ray, I believe he's 27, 28, uh, and has already uh, has a job in affiliated baseball is that says a lot about him and and the knowledge that he brings to the game. So I'm I'm very pumped for him to to get this part of his career going. And then Finally, wanted to touch on the World Baseball Classic. Uh, for the first time ever, Louisville has representation in the World Baseball Classic. Haven't had one since 2017 due to the pandemic, but it's finally back in a couple weeks. We got two guys who are playing on an international stage. Uh, we got Will Smith, who is catching for Team USA, and Glenn Albanese is pitching for Team Italy. And I've been asked what the connection for Albanese is to Italy. I'm not 100% certain. Uh, I will try my best to find that out. Uh, it's either a parent or a grandparent, probably, that is from Italy. Or Glenn maybe has dual citizenship. I'm not going to speculate further, though. And I'll try to figure that out and report on it when I do. It's exciting to hear all that stuff that you keep up with. And how you do that, I don't know. Keeping up with the current team is challenging <laughs> enough for me. So keeping up with how many pro guys do we have now, roughly? Uh, I would think we're at 53 going into the season. That's insane. You know, the, and, uh, you know, see the guys that are, you know, right on the cusp of making their debut. That's just, that's big for the program. You know, every time you see those guys on TV that they played at the university of Louisville, that's big for the program, the current guys, the future guys, um, you know, recruits, they love seeing that stuff. I mean, that's, that's, that's the reason they, they come to the university of Louisville. So, the success that these guys are having, not only in college, but when they go beyond that to the next level, speaks volume, I think, to the coaching staff at Louisville and how they really prepare them for the next stage of their life. Not just, hey, you're coming here to win a bunch of baseball games. Sure, but we need to get you ready to win more games once you leave Louisville. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know you touched on it too there. The guys that are on the cusp of making their debut this year, I think 2023 is going to be the biggest year yet for our pro guys. I think we could see maybe five, six, seven guys come up who are going to make their major league debuts and they're going to contribute at a major league level right away. And I'm, I'm super excited for, for these guys and hopefully we can grab a couple and get them on the podcast too. Sure thing. And one thing I'm going to touch on that Dan McDonald talked about on his coaches show this week is some of the improvements you're seeing at Jim Patterson stadium. If you've been out there, the front concourse and the third base side, they, they look quite a bit different. They're enhancing those. They're adding some food options. There's a little turf area over on the third base side that I think there are going to be some, like, family stuff that you can do so kids can kind of play around and whatnot. And then instead of the hitting facility beyond the left field fence, I don't want to say they're not going to do that. They're going to do that, but they're kind of going to do things in a different order. And this I'm just kind of paraphrasing what – Coach McDonald talked about this week. They've received a big donation from Henry Davis that is going to allow them to complete a couple of the smaller projects before they move out to the indoor facility. So we're going to see a um, facility indoors first that they're going to complete a locker room and then the Shad Mason hack shack that's just beyond 
the right field over that way that is going to be either renovated or taken down and completely rebuilt. So those couple projects, the concourses, the entrance being built, the locker room, and then the hack shack slash weight room, I believe they are going to tackle those first because they, he thinks they can get those done in 12 months. So since they've got the funding, they would like to go ahead and just knock those off the list and then tackle the larger project later instead of funding, 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 doing the indoor facility and then coming back and doing everything in reverse order. So kind of exciting there. And I think that's all good news. You know, everybody wants this indoor facility. We've been talking about it for a long time and the pictures of it are beautiful, but if the money's not there, might as well go ahead and knock some of these other small projects off the list and get them completed, you know, while we've got the money for it. I'm, I'm super excited for that. I, I think, you know, the, the coaches and, and this program deserve everything that they're that's coming their way. And so it's exciting, exciting times at Jim Patterson. Yeah. And, you know, it's a beautiful stadium already. Fans have been out. I think, you know, the couple of games that I've been able to make it out to attendance has been good. The fan engagement has been good. So hopefully that continues. But I think that is all we have tonight before we head down to Houston for the Shriners College Classic. Aaron, thanks for hopping on tonight. Appreciate everything you do for us. Um, but in the meantime, go ahead and tell us where we can find your work. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AJTurn22 or the Louisville Baseball Alumni Report where you can follow all the pro updates. And you can find the written work on the state of Louisville. Good stuff. And you can find me on Twitter at Matt Sefkovic. And you can find my written work on Card Chronicle. And in the words of Sean Moth, we will see you at the ballpark. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.